Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett as ever as we embark on an international break where football seems to stop. Although for me, uh, I've got some vested interest in, the, in what happens in the international break, given uh, my Welsh heritage could be qualifying for the Euros. Anyway, uh, Rob, I'd say most clubs are going to have a quiet international break. Maybe not Man United, though. I think Man United are going to probably try and win the international break. So we will hear, I think, Is some... That a thing? Can you do that? Well, Man United think they can. Like, I think United... Not winning this... the transfer window, is it? Yeah, they, they enter these situations <laughs> where most teams just try and get better or sort things out. You know, like international break, Scott. Like, do some training, work on some set pieces, get things in order, get players fit. Man United go, hmm, how can we win the front pages? That That is a thing, unfortunately, at Manchester United. It's sad, but it is true. It does happen. So I think, uh, obviously, we're expecting a, a relatively big announcement in the next week or two about ownership and structure, board level, potential transfer kitties, Old Trafford redevelopment. So I think we're going to have quite a lot to talk about. We'll save it for if and when it happens. Uh, we are, like Rob says, we are expecting it. Like, to me, I mean, this international break specifically, I think, is quite important for football clubs as they look kind of ahead for the rest of the season and into next summer, even. So, you know, we've heard uh, different things about people being appointed to certain positions, and maybe that will take some time. But if you'd imagine Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Dave Brailsford, etc., have been doing... They've probably been working on this in the background. You'd think about their plans and what they want to do. Hopefully... You know, they can get some official announcements in uh, straight away and announce some new people who are going to come in and try and fix things, fix the sport inside of things. But we will talk about that in a bit more depth when it happens. Uh, and if it doesn't happen, maybe we'll do it towards the end of next week or something like that. But we'll, we'll see. Um, but yes, uh, today we'll be looking at United and the season so far. Now, sometimes, Rob, we get criticised on this podcast for being a bit too positive 
Um, because that's not the fashionable thing to be when Man United are playing this terribly. Uh, I, I tweeted the other day or X'd the other day saying, United are six points off second place and everything's been a disaster so far. Like in the grand scheme of things, it could be worse. <laughs> Let's just say that it could be worse. Um, but yeah, we'll be talking about that today. Uh, and Rob, just I think we should start off, though, uh, reflecting uh, Monday was uh, Sir Bobby Charlton's funeral. Obviously, um, I think there were a thousand people plus there turning out, you know, um, from what I saw, obviously, I wasn't there either. But like, from what I saw videos, people who, who turned up there, you know, uh, a moment of reflection for one of United's, maybe United's greatest ever. Yeah, it's very sad and somber yesterday. And uh, I think kind of as I had said publicly as well, it's it's one of those moments where you, you reflect on your place in the game as a fan to these like superstars. And the funny thing about Bobby Charlton was that he was the ultimate superstar and yet not a superstar at all. You know, he was the man, you know, man of the people and completely humble. So um, incredible turnout for him yesterday. She said, you know, both at the, at the cathedral at Old Trafford, and United fans, and also I think football fans from the whole of the Northwest City fans and, and fans across the whole football spectrum uh, paying their respects to, you know, the greatest English footballer that ever did it. Yes. Uh, we will look ahead, though. Uh, I'll actually look back uh, throughout this podcast as well, just on United's uh, season so far, as we said. Uh, but subscribe wherever you get your podcast and watch us on youtube as well the promise and manchester United podcast like the video subscribe and leave a comment as well pop the notification bell on so you never miss a show and follow us on social media at double underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore b and at promise and mu for the show as well uh okay let's let's look back shall we at the season so far rob now united as i mentioned there six points off second place I'm just going to pull the table up, actually. Six points off second place. I believe they have not scored that many goals, which might be an issue. They scored 13 goals in 12 matches in the Premier League. Uh, lost 5-1-7, 21 points, four points off fifth-placed Aston Villa, six points off third-placed Arsenal, and second-placed Liverpool, seven points off the top of the league. Given the absolute disaster of a season that United have had so far. It isn't bad, really. Looking at the numbers on the table anyway, apart from the goal scoring, obviously. Yeah, look, I think it's one of these things that when you when you look at the 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 kind of season as a whole, at the start of the season, I think as journalists in pre-season, you always look at this international break as the potential where things get changed. Like, you know, like if things are not working boards are meeting and they're going, how good are we or how bad are we? Now, Scott, it was only a couple of weeks ago that we were talking about maybe Eric Ten Hag not surviving this period and being shown the door. Obviously, it depends how Manchester United's board interpret things. But let's get real. As you just said there, you know, the table doesn't lie. We always say this, don't they? But sometimes maybe the table does. Manchester United's form has not been spectacular, but they have been dealing with injuries. Now, let's see what's happening with, say, Tottenham Hotspur, with River Newcastle United all now dealing with injuries and flavour of the month. How have football. you felt about the oh they've got injuries though narrative? I, I think it's just what you expect, Scott. So with Manchester United, they've had all these injuries 
and the populism around it has been, let's not talk about that, let's just talk about them losing. I get that. That puts bums on seats for people, for some people. However, you look at Tottenham and it's it's sympathy, isn't it? Oh, you've got injuries. Oh, poor you. You know, oh, Newcastle, you've got, you've got a few injuries. Oh, poor you. Yeah, those two teams might now start losing some games. You know, I wonder why, Scott, because they haven't got all their players fit. So United have been through that cycle, haven't we? We've been through that. I mean, really since pre-season, like it hasn't stopped. It feels like even in the Luton game here, the most recent match, you know, Johnny Evans goes down very early or not recently in his game before. Then you got Ericsson in the Luton game. Then you had Rasmus Hoyland kind of being dragged off towards the second half. There's injuries happening at Man United and it's like they don't have to, like no one talks about it. You know, it's like it doesn't affect you. So... I think the good thing is, Scott, is that I feel like the squad as a whole, not not individually, but as a whole, has started to weather some of that, you know. And that's why you're in this position now in the table, that you're only several points off the top. Think about it, Scott, maybe only one victory behind where you maybe would expect to be at this point in the season. So that's better, isn't it? I think when you look at it like that, that's not blue skies. That's actually reality. And that's the facts. Man, Man City play Liverpool after the international break. Yeah, United. You know, I'm not saying United will win at Everton, but maybe if they do, and then one of those te- those teams draw or something like that. But we're not at all saying here that Man United are in a title race or can be close no. to it because they, we know that obviously they are not playing well enough for that. But I think the key is stay in touch, right, and try and work out down the line how you're playing. And I think. People looked at the Luton game the other day. Obviously, the social media take on it was, this is awful. That's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. We should be expecting a style of play. We spent so many hundreds of millions of quid on players that have won the Champions League and this this kind of thing. And obviously, we're not seeing you know, a, a style of play perfectly. But to me, I think that Luton game the other day, you were there as well, Rob, obviously. I saw some promising. I, I know Luton are not a, not a very good team, but they did draw with Liverpool the weekend before. So you know, it's if they Premier League games are difficult at times, and United created way more or qu- created enough anyway to win that game three four nil really. But they're just not taking their chances as ref- and that's been the problem as is reflected in the goals scored, thirteen goals in twelve matches. Uh, they should have scored three or four. Rashford had a chance. Hoyland had a chance. Garnacho had a chance. Like, really, you got to be taking them, right? And if you take your chances early on, games' complexion of matches change and probably they become a lot easier. You know? Yeah, totally. And it shows you can dial it down, doesn't it? Because I think the big story of Manchester United's season so far has been the goal difference. So the goal difference tells you where the team is in terms of its maybe own expectations or what they're trying to do. They're trying to put the ball in the, in the net, Scott. But I still think the creation of those opportunities is not as good as it should be. And then we also know that the finishing isn't as good as it should be. So those two things are a kind of lethal cocktail, aren't they, for your football team? Because it doesn't matter about your defence, your midfield, everything else we talk about playing out from the back, systems, style of play, is that if you're getting chances not taking them, guess what? you won't be as high in the table. It's kind of pretty basic, isn't it? You look at Man City at the top. Man City, I think, have got a goal difference of something like 22, 23, better than Man United already this season. Do you know why? 
it's because they put the ball in the net. So even when they've played badly in recent weeks and they have lost games not so long ago and haven't played at their highest standard, the ball still goes in the net. So for me, I think with United is that it's not about in this stage of the season how well you're playing. Like that is obviously something we analyse constantly. But it's it's more about can you still win games when you're not at your best? Manchester United, as it stands today, are the most informed team in the Premier League. Believe it, read it and weep. That is the truth. I was, saying, I was on mute there. But I was, <laughs> that is uh, that's crazy. I, mean, I think it's worth taking in context the teams that they've beaten yeah. uh, to get to that point. Let me just uh, let me just dig that up. But like, yeah, they've won four of their last five. They had a defeat to Man City in the middle of that, but mm-hmm. they've beaten Brentford, Sheffield United, Fulham, and Luton. So you know, mm. they have but to get better. The games the... We're worried about. Yeah. yeah well, when we play teams who are lesser. Games. <laughs> teams like Chelsea can play well against Man City and play well at Spurs. Exactly. And then lose to... Who did they lose to? They've lost to plenty of teams this season, haven't they? Loads. <laughs> uh, Brentford, they lost at home to this this kind of thing. So, yeah. like, you know... United have... Uh, they've done enough to be in touch so far. Everybody knows that they need to play better and this kind of thing. But, you know... The important thing is, to, to me anyway, just to stay in touch for now. We know that there's a ton of things to fix. And like, Rob, you made the comparison before we started recording to last last year, around this time. I think it was around this time that they we finished up for the World Cup. And United weren't... They were okay. I think United are two points worse off this season than last at this stage. Mm. And then after the World Cup, they came back and went on the best run they've been on for a few years. Um, any optimism that that could happen again? Given the wider context of the entire situation, you've got, obviously, there's loads of injuries, this kind of thing, but as we've touched on at the top of the show, I think what every United fan wants is a little bit of clarity, like to know that we're moving in a certain direction, right? Let's say you get an announcement and a statement in the next week on... This is who's in charge. This is what we're going to do. We're going to invest X. Uh, we're going to analyze all aspects of the club. And that might, might create some kind of uncertainty for the people who are working there, but you could argue there's already that uncertainty there. Um, but I think the general feeling around the club will change if you get some kind of communication and some promise of investment, which I think is going to come anyway. Yeah, look, I think if United in the table or <clears throat> outside the top 10 and flailing towards the relegation zone or something like that and the form matched the results like you know I always said last week when we talked about Eric Ten Hag that ultimately it doesn't matter what he does how good United are it's just based it's a results game isn't it so you just said their last five games you've won four of them you only lost to Man City it doesn't really matter who you play in the Premier League you've got to beat everyone like that's the way it has to be it doesn't matter if those five were tough games or not so tough games Funnily enough, those games, Scott, that you did win, they were still brutal. They were still games you had to fight to win the points. They weren't, you know, United didn't kind of just cruise through those matches like we say see Man City do sometimes against the, the bottom half teams. Um, so I think people have to, you're right. Like I think when, when you look at the, you know, the part ownership now going through, Jim Ratcliffe's new administration, how Man United are going to do that, there'll be lots to talk about. And it will give, I think, fans some more clarity. But I think also, you said about last season, it was only a year ago we were still in that Eric 10 games part of the season. You know, people going, oh, it's 10 games in. He's not very good, this manager. Or United are not very good. 
it's kind of where we are again, isn't it? It's kind of like it's history repeating. But do I feel better about what I'm seeing? Yes, I do. Not not because the style of play is any better. It's still not great. But I'm 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 happier that I know the injured players will be coming back. You're going to have Wan Bissaka coming back, playing full time. He was sick the other day, as you confirmed to me. You're going to have Luke Shaw coming back. They are big names for the system. I don't know if it takes you to the next level, Scott, but it certainly helps you win football matches, doesn't it? So you've still got. Do you a think few Luke out. Shaw might, if he if he's fit for the next game, might go in at left centre back again? Absolutely. Yeah, like, like this is the options, isn't it? Is that you know, for me, last season, Luke Shaw playing in the central areas was a good thing for a short period of time. But what it really exposed is that you didn't have a lot on the outside then. So Luke Shaw does a lot of that work, overlapping, helping Rashford further forward. I think if he comes back into the team tomorrow, Scott, or something like that, is that you will be looking at him as left centre-back because we know, obviously, what's going on with Martinez and his injury, and he's out for a while. But we also He's such know- a big miss, by the way, Martinez. Such a, I think he's probably the biggest one for me. Because he's a ball progressor. So like, yeah. I think the thing is, from that part of the park, you're, you're actually seeing Scott in games now, and I, and I think we're getting somewhere with Anana. is that Anana now, with the ball at his feet, is kind of going... Away from me, people. I'm a centre back now. Give me the ball, you know. And he's doing it a little bit more because he's just getting a bit more confident, you know. I think that's, I think that's a natural progress. So, Luke Shaw being on that side, you can see that Ten Hag absolutely gets itchy and scratchy when he has to play Maguire there or when he has to force Lindell off that side. And I think this is partly why Varane's not been in the team. It is a tactical choice. I would rather see Varane in the team, but we know there's stuff going on behind the scenes and that will become more evident, I think, in the weeks ahead. But yes, if Luke Shaw comes back in, you're doing that, aren't you? And next season, or when the next windows come round, you might be going, might need another left-sided centre-back somewhere in the mix, you know, might lose this player to fund it and bring this player in. Funny enough, Scott, with Harry Maguire's good form at the moment, is that I don't think Harry Maguire stays next year. I think Harry Maguire, you just get more money for him. That's probably yeah, what totally. Like I mean, like he's showing that he's West Ham yeah. captain potential, isn't he? Totally, totally. And like if he continues on the tra- trajectory he is, then he can probably leave United with his head held high. Exactly. You know, and be like, look, I had a tough time, but I I reacted to it and I played probably my best football before I left. Because I don't, I don't doubt really. If you're bringing in like at some point over the next few months, you'll bring in a Paul Mitchell, you bring in a somebody like Michael Edwards or, or something like that, and they will just look at the profile. Of, I think United want two centre backs next summer, like yes. or in in next year. So there could be one in January, there could be one in the summer. I think they mm-hmm. might even get two. Um, that would in, inevitably mean that Maguire, you know, the age profile of him, he's 29, 30 years old. Now, United need to get younger. They've got a lot of senior players in there. Bruno Fernandes, 29, 30 years old. These kinds of players, you know, are not going to, for the next five years, take you forward. Like, mm. they might be okay for now, but like uh, any kind of... You look at what Michael Edwards did at Liverpool, you know? Um, I'm, 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 there's nothing really, no foundation based on this, but like, let's say if he were to come in, it's like, they bought players of the age 22, 23. Like you, you look at Mane, you look at Salah, like, and Mo Salah's gone on to become one of the best players in Premier League history. Of the right age in that profile who can grow into the team and grow together under a, an, an identity and a style of play, which is led by the people who, you know, run the club from the top, really. Mm. Yeah, Harry Maguire might might stay, but I, to be honest, I think if anything, he's just inflating his stock value. 
yeah. at the moment, which is perfect for anybody coming into United, really. And, and we already know, like it doesn't all need reiterating, but we know that Eric Ten Hag would like to move away from the Harry Maguire model. Like he's rightfully giving Maguire his dues and his respect because Harry Maguire has stepped up to the plate and helped Man United. We talk about here this form of United being the most informed team in the Premier League, four wins out of five. Harry Maguire has been a huge part of that, in part of the squad, in leading the squad and playing those minutes. So, yeah, like, I, I look at it like that. As Harry Maguire has every good performance, I'm thinking United are sat there in the boardroom going, this is quite good because now we've a much better negotiating position when we go to a West Ham and West Ham say... Actually, yeah, you were right about your mad valuation only a few months ago. We liked what we've seen. We're going to- Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To bring him to our football club. I don't think Maguire goes in January now just because of the way yeah, things agree, are. Yeah. That's not going to happen. But I do think that you do probably go and find your 21, 22-year-old who comes in and works with the Maguire for six months or something like that. You know, you go along those lines. Um, so I think there's a lot more to come. As we said, we we know that the there'll be more, much more information now in the next couple of weeks about Jim Ratcliffe and what he wants to do. But you need to kind of approach this project slightly different now, Scott. I think the first few months of this season, first few weeks even, have shown how fragile you are in certain parts of the squad. And I actually think that will frighten United. I actually think that they'll look at it upstairs and they'll go, we tried to do it like this because then we got a ton of injuries and the world was burning to the ground. Because they don't like that popular press version of them being inept and all of this thing. Yes, there's money problems, but they're going to have a cash injection now, aren't they? This is what this is about. And do you know what that will mean, Scott? That will mean new players. I don't think they'll go mad in January, but I do think there will be some significance, maybe incomings and some outgoings at the same time. We'll touch on uh, later in, well, later in the international break. I think we've got something lined up really on. I don't know if you've noticed, but like we run a story on Night Imin like last week, at the start of last week, I think that maybe in the week before, that Casemiro was of interest to clubs in Saudi Arabia. Rafa Varane is of interest to clubs in Saudi Arabia. That's since been, I think that's gone around a few places. Jaden Sancho yesterday, linked with a move to Saudi Arabia. Bruno Fernandes, this interest from Saudi Arabia in him, yeah. you know, and, you know, 
other clubs have used that to their benefit. Casemiro and Rafa Varane, for me, like they've had fantastic careers, but they should not be here at the start of next season. You know, if if you're doing if you're doing a rebuild, and that absolutely needs to happen. But we'll touch on that in further depth uh, later on in the uh, in, t- in the international break. So keep an eye out for that one, and we'll talk about what United can do because United's position on FFP is still difficult. Yep. And <laughs> big money sales will really help that as well as uh, investment from a potential new owner or part owner, this kind of thing. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's look back. You just mentioned a striker, Rob. Hmm. Um, Rasmus Hoyland's picked up an injury. Yes. Now, you know, I really like Hoyland. Um, I Me think... Too. He scored five goals in the Champions League already, which is which shows he can do it. He's not had much luck in the Premier League in front of goal. But mm. I think it's more of a case of he just needs one to go in off his backside, and I think he'll be off and running because mm-hmm. um, these things happen to strikers. But he's injured now, so mm. in January, you know, they need to address that really, don't they? Yes, they do, and this is this is why I I use the words. I think this first few weeks of the season are scared United is because when everything goes well and everyone's fit, that's that's a kind of reality that's not very football, is it? Like football will punish you for those things where you think everything is cool and you're just going to get on with it, and suddenly people start dropping like flies. I like Rasmus Hoyland Scott. I think again he's getting stick. You just said there the difference between Premier League and Champions League, and we do know that the two styles of football, even though they run parallel, are different. So. Defences will address def- um, centre-forwards very differently than they do in the Champions League, as they do, say, say in the Premier League. It's just the way it works. I think he's been unlucky in the Premier League. I don't think he's been kind of negligent or been awful up top. A lot of people have seen talk about Hoyland like he's been completely useless. It's not the not truth. At all. Not no, at all. I think I think he I think he's running. I think he's doing the work. I think he's acclimatised into the Premier League, and that will take some time. But I also think that United need to be more creative, more you know, getting those tap-ins. The two goals against Copenhagen in the Champions League, funny enough, were exactly the type of goals, goals that Man United need to do more in the Premier League. And let's be honest, Scott, that's we've not seen it at all in the last two, three, four years, even when Ronaldo was still in your yeah. team. There wasn't a lot of tap-ins for Ronaldo at the back post, which is kind of how he's earned his living over many, many years. You know, he was having to, to do, you know, magic moments, as we've called them before. So, no, I think you have to go look and you have to go and see what's available. I don't think United will be looking at the loan market. <coughs> Excuse me. But I think, again, you need to maybe look progressively and think about another young striker because... In these first few weeks of the season, we're kind of seeing less use for Martial than I thought. I thought we'd see more Martial to balance the Hoyland minutes. <coughs> oh, excuse me, my cough going there. This time time of the year, and um, everyone's got it. I don't know if you can notice. I know it in my I'm voice as well. Yeah. We've all got it. We're all, we're all a bit hoarse, aren't we? This uh, coming uh, into November, but uh, I think the things with Hoyland is that he's played actually a lot more minutes than I thought. Like he's played all the minutes pretty much. And guess what? Now he's injured. So he's out, obviously, of a Denmark squad. But I think I don't think the manager feels he can use Martial in the same capacity because, like last year, when you played Martial and he played well, what happened? He broke down and got injured. So I think the manager's very, very aware of that. And it's like, yeah, 10-minute cameos, not even 20s or 30s. I thought he'd play a lot more minutes and even the odd start here or there, Scott. So I think you're going to have to go into that window. Centre-back, centre-forward, and again, as you say, 
central midfield. So I think it's kind of like all those core positions through the middle of the team, you can still get stronger at. And I think Man United will look at that. Yeah, we're talking a bit more depth about what United are going to do potentially in January and into next summer when uh, hopefully we get some communication uh, through the 25% investment and change of sport and direction, which we're mm. expecting expecting to happen. Um, But yeah, like... I think injuries is something we should probably reflect on as well. There's too many of them, Rob. I think there, do you have any kind of insight on what this could be? Because it's it's been a problem that United have had for many, many years. And I know that there's a lot of games, this kind of thing, and every club gets them, but United seem to get them just a little bit worse. You know, Luke Shaw every year misses two, three months, doesn't he? And, you know, mm. they brought in a, a head of medical I, I forget his uh, his exact title, Gary o, Gary O'Driscoll, I think it is from from Arsenal, who just yeah. started at the start of October. Yeah. Um, but I think Real Madrid even I've noticed some. Uh, I've had a lot of injury problems themselves. I just saw yesterday that they've got rid of one of their medical staff because they're seeing a lot of injuries. This you you can't avoid injuries, obviously, but you can probably minimize the amount of them that you get. And I, is this fair to say that this is another thing that you're not in a crap at managing? Yeah, look, I think it's it's one of those things that fans want a technical answer for. Like, it's always like, oh, lots of injuries. Why have you got injuries? Well, it is because injuries do happen. It's a contact sport. It's a physical sport. But I think, Scott, it's also like you're just saying there about managing it. When you're Pep Guardiola and you've got a big squad and all of that squad are amazing, like all 25 of them are really, really good, Guess what you can do? You can rotate and look after people's health a little bit more. When you're Man United, yes, you've got a decent squad, but when you lose two, three, four, five very quickly, just for whatever reason, just through bad luck, then you see that you have to bring in a Johnny Evans. And guess what happens with Johnny Evans, Scott? He's old. It's going to hurt him. Rafa Varane has injuries. They're now holding him back. Casemiro is now up with an injury. So this is runs into the point, Scott, that we talk about, about players' ages. Because it is very true that when you get to 28, 29, 30, you have to just start managing your body a little bit differently. The United are always in this flux, haven't they? That They're not trusting a lot of the youth, still talking about young players coming through. Someone like Garnacho getting more minutes this year. Hannibal now coming forward. Everyone's got expectations for Kobe Manu. But that's how you manage health, Scott, is that you balance it between the younger players and the older players. Now, United haven't got that balance. That's the way it goes. You've seen it with Liverpool, that this year, Liverpool look okay. Last year, big injuries. Before that, looked okay. Year before that, big injuries. So it does happen without you even trying to make it happen. I do think that Eric Ten Hag's style of football is pretty high octane with how he wants to play. And what he's having to do week by week sometimes, Scott, is just dial it back a little bit. And you see that is that they maybe don't press like animals like you'd want them to. But then you have to look at the health report, don't you? That's what the manager does. So as you just said there, new medical team, new new head from Arsenal coming into the football club. That will take time for sports science to do its thing over like a year or two, Scott, where you go by players that can maybe stay healthier for longer. And that's how you push forward. Like you just said there about Bruno Fernandes, we will talk more about Bruno late going forward. Bruno doesn't really get injured, does he? That's kind of why Bruno gets hammered into the ground because <laughs> mm-hmm. they look at his health report and they go, well, even when he gets a knock, he recovers. Scott McTominay is a classic example of pulling a hamstring, which should take you four weeks, and he's training after seven days. There's something, there's an anomaly there about your health. So 
that happens with players, but I, I don't think United, United fans should read too much into it. I think it's a bad luck spell. But yeah, if you're going to lean on your older players to play loads more minutes, guess what? They might get injured. Yep. Big old uh, wider picture uh, to analyse. Uh, Young to be legs people... go long, far away, yeah. Scott. Young legs. And that's... They need to start buying more young legs. And ironically, we're talking about Rasmus Hoyland, <laughs> mm. uh, who is the young legs. And he's had his own injury problems, to be yeah. fair. Um, but Ten Hag has been very, very open publicly about having to manage Hoyland's minutes himself. Mm. Because watching Hoyland, he, tr- he really tries hard. He runs around a lot. He presses a lot. And that's something there. that you like. It's, it's, it's in his heart. And I think, like, if anything, to me, Hoyland looks like probably the profile of signing that United should be making moving forward. I'm like, I think they overpaid for him, obviously, uh, but that's a, that's a different conversation. But in terms of the profile of player that he is, I think more of those might be Completely. beneficial. Um, it's just, you have like, he made no secret <laughs> of it in the summer. We have to manage his minutes when he was subbed off at, uh, where was he subbed off the other week? Copenhagen. Mm. You know, he had a, Ten Hag's always been open about having to manage his minutes, this kind of thing. Yeah. And now that we have seen he's played a little bit too much, he's got injured, so he was probably right about that. But he doesn't really have, as you mentioned there, Martial. He <laughs> uh, doesn't really have the other options to come in and rotate with him. I'll make a comparison uh, yeah. of that, Scott, actually, just as well. Like, I, I think the thing is, Erasmus Hoyland comes in, he's your primary signing at kind of in the 70-odd millions. You know that he's young, that he's green, he's a Man United fan, and you can get so much out of him in a short space of time. Compare that to, say, the trajectory of Julian Alvarez. So Julian Alvarez can go to Man City, sit on the bench, sit there, have a cigarette there, think, well, well life's good, isn't it? I'll come off 20 minutes, that, 30 so. minutes. Well, it happens in some leagues. <laughs> I think uh, Dimitar Berbatov was spotted at training ground once with a cigarette <laughs> in his mouth. Um, it's the truth. But uh, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think when you look at someone like Julian Alvarez, is that that pressure, even though he's at a bigger club, the pressure is actually less. Like he's there and he's there's a support system around a young player, isn't it? I think at Rasmus Hoyland, he's up for the challenge. He's going to run through brick walls for you, but you have to help him. And I think if United had a, a stronger structure so over the next year or two, is that you could get really good quality out of Hoyland. We've already seen in a very short space of time that he's got something. Like I've heard loads of people say to me, oh, he's he's not ready, he's not ready. Well, he probably isn't ready. He was only 19, 10 minutes ago, right? He's a kid, but he's ready enough to help you but you can't stack everything on him. Every goal has to come through your number nine. It shouldn't be like that, should it? So like Julian Alvarez, he comes on, he plays big minutes for Man City now, but he's had 18 months, two years or soon at the end of this season to really acclimatise to English football and do what he does. And he's a really good footballer. I'd probably say he's a better striker than Rasmus Hoyland, being honest. But he's in a much better situation, isn't it? So I think with Rasmus, I'm fine with him. I'm really happy with what we've seen with him in his opening moments. So I hope this injury doesn't keep him out too long. Anything else you want to touch on today, Rob? I think it'll be more of a, a shorter show, given more reflective. But we might bring you a couple more, or maybe an extra episode uh, over the international break. Obviously, we're waiting on the news of the the ownership investment and, and this kind of thing and the sporting direction. But we, w- we will be back Tuesdays and Fridays generally. Uh, and bring you that bonus show as well at some point. But anything you want to touch on before we finish up, Rob? No, look, I understand people's 
feelings, because again, football is all about feelings, isn't it? About how, how the team has played this year. Uh, I just think if you remove, say, the Copenhagen result, which I think was a really bad result, like that was, you know, you're in control of that game, you probably should do better even with the sending off, is that if you look at the Premier League form, I'm n- I never really look at who the team is on the other end of it. And I think a lot of United fans are, so they're saying these, you know, four wins out of five, 12 points out of 15. Oh, it doesn't mean anything. I tell you what, it will mean a lot to those players, Scott. They'll look at that and they will just feel better about the world and life because they'll go, right, we're doing our work and it's had some kind of results in the short term. Man United are absolutely kind of where they need to be, maybe more than where they'd want to be. So I'm sure they'd want to be competing for the title, but that's dreamland. You look at what the squad has done. They've had so many injuries. They'll go away from the international break. Hopefully they won't all come back injured. Fingers crossed. But I do think United are kind of making those right steps forward. I don't know if you noticed, Scott, Eric Ten Hag's body language, last game or two, just looks a bit more relaxed. I think earlier in the season where things were just on fire, he now looks like, I think he's seeing more of the performances from the whole of the team that he's happier with. And you see him now kind of just a little bit more relaxed. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, yeah, there was questions about whether he would still be manager coming into November because... It felt like everything had fallen apart massively, didn't it? And again, football was not always just about feelings. So I feel pl- pleased for the manager. I think he's moving it the right way. And it feels very similar to 12 months ago where he did get it right at this exact point of the season. I think the point of this podcast today is that, as Rob, Rob has said there, it's, it's essentially been painted as a disaster. I think most fans have felt like oh my God, we're on the road to sacking another manager. We're getting mm. smashed by Man City. Brighton outplayed us at Old Trafford. Tottenham, Arsenal, all these kind of things, losing to them. Mm. They've lost five games in the league so far this season. Possibly could be going out of the Champions League, but I don't even think that's a dead duck yet. I think that is, um, you know, I think the point of this podcast, what I'm trying to say is, it's been a relatively disastrous opening three months of the season. All Mm. things considered, injuries, points, goals scored, Champions League, all of this kind of stuff. Uncertainty over the club. But when you like strip everything away, right, you're not too far away from top four, which is top five even, which really should be the target that United are trying to aim at this season. You've got, you're within touching distance, pending the news that everybody, not everybody, but like at least some positive news in the sense of taking the sporting uh, responsibilities away from the Glazer family getting some investment that could happen in the next couple of weeks. So like if you strip everything away, we're United a position currently and pending the news that we could be getting and pending the possibility of a plan, like a football club should a modern football club should have a plan of how they're going to move forward. Hopefully that is going to come soon. So going into an international break, one, four and five things could change on the horizon. Players hopefully recovering from injury and fingers crossed, time to reset, you know? Definitely. And I, and I think that will be the MO of Manchester United now moving forward for, for the next few months of the season. Eric Ten Hag's primary job, Scott, is to win football matches, get results, yeah? And and he's turned that a little bit. You look at the season, nine defeats, is it? I think in all competitions, is that correct? Something like that, nine defeats. That tells its own story. But you can't look back to that. You've got, now got to kind of look at where you are now and look forward. The whole thing about Jim Ratcliffe, Scott, and the change of, you know, part ownership or whatever you want to call it, a sporting project, is that it will be different. 
And that's really important. And I'm up for that. Like, you know, we'll say it once again. We're not Jim Ratcliffe supporters. We don't work for Ineos or any of that stuff. We're just looking at it and kind of trying to do it on its own merit. And I think and when we hear from Ineos and we hear from Ratcliffe and what he wants to do, I'm sure we'll be able to kind of dig more deeper into the into the details and we will be we will be put scrutiny on it we will that's what our jobs are and we'll try and find a way to see if this is the right thing for man united for me i think that's the only way at the moment like i think the glazer project of the last 10 to 15 years has absolutely shown why the football club is rotten it is the glazers it's not just football managers or football players it's from the very top so you can tweak that and find a new way scott i think the next few weeks might be bright Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, The Promise and a Manchester United Podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment and hit the notification bell so you never miss a show. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. A little bit of a shorter one today from us, but we will be back later this week. We are waiting for some communication, whether that's official or whether that is uh, indirect, really. Hopefully we can finally start turning the page on the 18-year chapter of... Well, you know, we had a few years of Ferguson, didn't we? <laughs> we managed to paper over the cracks for the last 10 years. Hopefully, finally, we can start moving away from that course and in a different direction to becoming a football club who knows what they're doing Anyway, uh, from Scott and from Rob, we'll see you soon, everyone, for another Promise Land podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.